Welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence, Ask the Experts, a live bi-weekly show to help you know what to do and what's new in digital marketing for 2021 and beyond. Ask questions, suggest topics, and grow faster with actionable insights and proven strategies from the world's leading experts. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence, Ask the Experts. I'm your show host, Marissa Morgan, and I am also the Business Development Manager at Engage. On behalf of myself and the entire team at Engage, I want to welcome you to our bi-weekly show. Today's topic, we are talking about the keys to business-to-business sales success in 2021 and beyond. We are going to debunk some of the myths, and our guest expert is going to share some game-changing tactics to help you come ahead a winner. And don't forget to stick around for our Engage Digital Marketing News of the Week. We will share that after today's talk. So make sure you tune in and stick around for that. You don't want to miss it. Before we get started with today's talk and I introduce you to our guest expert, I want to share that all of this valuable information today is brought to you by Engage. Now, I think you'll agree that in today's super competitive marketing environment, the key differentiator for all businesses is customer experience. Am I right? Happy customers buy more, they return less, they convert faster, and they remain loyal. I want to share a little information with you about the customer optimization experience. So the key to providing your customers with the best possible customer experience, well, first, you want to make it convenient for them to communicate with you. And second, you want to give them reasons to trust you and your business. And that is where you'll want to check out Engage. Engage offers free forever tools that are all focused on optimizing customer experience. Okay. So with Engage, you and your team can communicate with prospects and customers where they are, when they prefer, and in context across multiple channels. Well, that is the ultimate inconvenience. Am I right? And you can also use Engage to help build trust. You can personalize conversations and you can personalize product recommendations. And that helps you convey the belief that you understand and that you care about your customer. And that is what it's all about, optimizing that customer experience. Make sure at the end of our show, you hop over to www.engage.com and check out more. And I want to pop that up on the screen. If you want to screenshot that, there is our URL. And all of the tools at engage.com are free forever. So check them out after the show. Okay, without further ado, it is time for me to introduce this week's guest expert coming to us all the way from Phoenix, Arizona, excuse me, Scottsdale, Arizona. Our guest guest expert today is Tom Williams. If you don't know Tom Williams, you need to. Founder, president, vice president of sales and marketing, author, and registered respiratory therapist are just a few of the titles that Tom has held throughout the span of his very impressive career. Today, Tom is currently the founder and chairman of Strategic Dynamics, Inc., a firm that helps organizations accelerate revenue generation by improving sales effectiveness. The firm offers new hire and behavioral style assessment tools that specialize in leadership, sales, management, conflict resolution, and communication. He also helps with the buy-sell process mapping, development of sales playbooks and buyer personas, and 
All of his programs are based on two books that are co-authored by Tom. The first book is called The Seller's Challenge, How Top Sellers Master 10 Deal-Killing Obstacles in Business-to-Business Sales. And his second book is titled Buyer-Centered Selling, How Modern Sellers Engage and Collaborate with Buyers. Tom's 25 plus years of experience consistently building shareholder value in medical and technology um, has really created an amazing career span for him. And today he's here um, certainly to share his expertise on business to business sales. And not only is he going to offer some insights for us, but he's going to debunk some myths and teach us how to master the business to business sales game. Tom, welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence. Ask the experts. Well, thank you, Marissa. I appreciate that that warm introduction. It's a pleasure to be with you today. We're so happy to have you here. And if you're joining us today and you're tuning in for the show, please let us know where you're tuning in from. You can drop that little detail in the comment section. We've had this is a global show, and we've had viewers tuning in from Brazil, Puerto Rico, across the United States, London, all over the place. So please let us know where you're tuning in from today, whether you're watching on Facebook or LinkedIn Live. And if you have any questions for Tom during our show at any time, drop them in the comments section, and we'll be sure to bubble them up and have answers for you during our show. Well, Tom, your 25-plus year business, marketing, technology, healthcare, respiratory therapy, very interesting. Your, your, your career is very interesting. I'd love to learn a little bit more about the path that led you to found your current company, Strategic Dynamics. How did that, how did that come about? Well, Marissa, it's kind of interesting. You know, I was a senior executive um, with two different companies that went public. Um, one was a medical device company. Another one was a hospital management company. And so uh, I, I learned what that experience was all about. Uh, and then I started and sold a medical services company. And uh, after that, I thought, you know, it'd be kind of fun to, to run a and start a small boutique, you know, sales and marketing consulting company, uh, you know, where I didn't have to worry about growth earnings and, and being on that treadmill, you know, every single day. So I work with clients that are on that treadmill, but, uh, you know, we're, we're not on the treadmill. You are almost like their personal trainer. You've got that slice of pizza and you're dangling it and they're running for it, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, as someone who has not only co-authored several books, founded your firm and really is very strong in the coaching and the consulting category, what are the most common problems or what is the most common problem that you find your clients are coming to you to help solve? You know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting question, Marissa. I think it's a couple of things. One is uh, uh, buyer centricity. You know, everybody, the, the buzzword right now is how to be buyer centric. And I think our second book has really resonated, you know, with people as to how do you become more buyer centric. And when you kind of drill down underneath that, there's generally some really interesting topics that, that arise. You know, one is how do I overcome status quo? How do I how do I deal with the, with the procurement, the rising uh rising number of procurement professionals uh, and and their demands uh, within the organ their or buying organization. So those are some of the common themes that we're seeing uh, you know every day. And do you find that those themes, the need for buyer centricity, really customer experience, do you find that those those needs and issues vary by industry, by company size, by geography, or is it kind of the same across the board? You know, I think it's pretty much the same across the board. I think the smaller companies and mid-sized companies have more struggles than the larger companies because they've got less resource and I think they have to deal with it. But by and large, everybody is trying to grow and increase their win rate. And, you know, and mm -hmm. what's interesting is the win rate has stayed stagnant uh, for the last, you know, 10 years. It's right around 47 percent. Uh, and so it's obvious to me that, you know, what, what's happened in the past, a lot of the training and things that have occurred just isn't working. And so uh, companies are looking for a change. They're looking for something different. And everybody's trying to become more buyer-centric. And that is why they come to you. You've co-authored two books. You've founded your own firm. And you are an expert on business-to-business -business sales. How do you say that word? Efficacy? Is that right? 
Yeah, I don't know if I'm an expert. You know, they, what they say is an expert is a guy who comes in from out of town. You know, and uh, <laughs> that may be the uh, that may be the, the best one of the best definitions I've I've heard of being an expert. Because I don't think you ever stop learning. So I don't know that you're ever really an expert. You may be an expert in training, I guess. Well, you are basically coming in from out of town through Zoom. And before we get into the meat and the potatoes of our talk today and talk more about the modern buyer and and how that affects a business-to-business sales approach, I know everybody tuning in right now, including Claudia, by the way, who's tuning in from Brazil this afternoon. Hello to you, Claudia. If you have any questions, drop them in the comment section. And thank you for tuning in. She's watching on LinkedIn Live. Everybody is probably going, whoa, look at this guy's office. In a time where we're all working remote, right, or many of us are during the pandemic, this is new for many of us, including myself, but something tells me that you've been working remote from that office since way before the pandemic. Am I right? What is happening? Yeah, we've been, I've been working remote for probably the last 15 years, and uh, you're right, this is a fun office. You can kind of get a glimpse here. Uh, this is like a a baseball museum. There isn't anything in here that's worth uh, you know any money. It's just a lot of trinkets and what people call trinkets and trash all around baseball that uh, uh, decorates my office. It's kind of a fun office. What you can't see is I have a train that goes around the top of the the uh, the entire office, and I have a right above me. I have a, a separate track uh, where it's a little bumper guy that goes up and down. And then uh, over here to my left, I have uh, that the. the 26 ducks in a row and over here on my right in the back i have the seven dwarfs uh, they're they're prominently displayed and in front of them is a batmobile that's about three feet long made out of legos and so uh, people have a lot of fun when they come over and visit me at my house and uh and they come into this room it's hard for me to get them out of this out of my office but once they come in it's uh, it's kind of a fun place to to, uh, to visit but it's even more fun place to work right i uh I never get too high. I never get low. I just look around at all my my stuff and and and, uh, and have a good time. Well, the one question that comes to mind right away is, who does the dusting at your house? <laughs> well, fortunately, I've got a very good wife that uh, that that you know doesn't mind dusting it, and I help her you know whenever I can. Uh, she's probably more diligent about it than I am. I kind of can take the dust, and she kind of looks at it and says, "I can't believe you're working this dust." So Aww. she kind of keeps it pretty clean. But uh, yeah. It does. It does require uh, some due diligence on, on both of our parts to keep the dust away. Well, your office takes the cake compared compared to mine. It's it's a it's a pleasure to have you on the show, and well, I'm really fun to see see the backdrop with which you kind of conduct all your business. So you have to very, have fun very, when you're working, Marissa. That's right. If it's not fun, why are you doing it? Right. Right. Well, let's dive into why you're here today. Today, you're here to really help us understand how we can get ahead in 2021 in terms of the business to business, you know, sales win. As you said, uh, in one of your introductory questions, you stated that everybody wants more wins, everybody wants more sales, everybody wants to be more customer centric, but pretty much across the board, the sales ratio has stayed kind of stagnant around 40, 43%, which means companies are missing out on 50, 55% of of more sales that they could be taking. So I think the key to understanding how to be more customer centric is to understand the customer. Am I right, Tom? We have to understand the customer. And you have some interesting statistics you'd like to share with us about who the modern buyer is. So I'll go ahead and get those up on the screen and maybe you can talk to them a little bit and share those statistics with us. And what yeah, they mean. I, before you do, can I just talk a little bit about, you know, who the modern buyer is? Absolutely. You know, uh, I think, you know, just to kind of center everybody, you know, today's buyers are more informed and educated than ever before. Uh, you know, they've researched, they've assessed and they've formed opinions, you know, about you uh, and your company uh, before they've even reached out and said hello. You know, most of them have already developed, you know, a short list of providers that they want to talk to. Most have a list of questions that they want to ask. Um, and, and they have a general idea of your pricing. So my philosophy is, is sellers today have got to sell differently. You know, they've got to offer insight and perspective. They've got to collaborate with their buyers to co-create solutions. And then they've got to become a concierge, you know, to help them buy uh, and uh, while building consensus, but also while mitigating risk. I mean, that's really what the modern buyer, you know, has got to do. And the seller has got to understand how that buyer has changed. 
I like how you use the word concierge because at Engage, the whole concept of our business model is optimizing customer experience. And when I think of what a concierge does, whether it's at a hotel or in a, a condo complex or at a restaurant or in any sense of the term, a concierge does the exact same thing. You optimize the customer experience. And that's what keeps the customer loyal, keeps the customer coming back for more. Um, I want to pop up a comment real quick. Uh, Larry is tuning in saying it looks like Brazil is the leading guest or leading audience member today because he's also tuning in from Sa Sao Paulo, Brazil, and he loves Tom's definition about experts. So thank, thank you, Larry. Thank you so much, Larry, for dropping us that comment. We love when everybody engages with us. So make sure you drop your comments and questions in the comment section and I'll get to them as the, as you drop them. Um, so talking about the customer experience, the modern buyer and how they are different. Can I go ahead now and pop sure, up those stats? Sure. All right. These are very interesting statistics. So, so everybody at home can follow along. I've popped them up on the screen and Tom, I'll let you take it away. What, what are yeah. the statistics? Well, first off, Marissa, thanks for thanks for uh, for popping that up in a slide because I think it's a, it's good for people. They can take a quick a screenshot of that if they want. Uh, but let's kind of walk through each one of these. You know who you know when you talk about who the modern buyer is. Uh, startling statistic: forty two percent are under forty, and they all grew up with technology. You know, uh, and what that means is to me is they're they're digital natives, right? Um, and their phone is now an appendage, and it's a gateway for information. Uh, so they can gather in, they can get information driven to them, or they can go out and extract information. Uh, and this means there's a generational shift occurring, you know, in B2B buying. And the implication is, is how are we going to understand that new generation of buyers and how they want to buy? Because it's different. It's different than the older generation. Mm -hmm. Second thing is 74% did more than half of the research online before making a purchase offline. You know, and again, you know, this means there's a greater reliance on independent research and really self-diagnosis. And it's amazing to me how many customers that we have come to us that have already diagnosed what they think they need. Uh, you know, and we still have to go through a rigid process to make sure that what we what they what they need or what they think they need is really what they what they do need. Uh, and the caveat I would put with that is, is when customers do the, our prospects do their research, what they end up doing is they know what they know, mm -hmm. they know what they don't know, but they don't know what they don't know. And that last part, they don't know what they don't know, is what I call the white space. And that's what good salespeople, you know, uncover and and, and address with salespeople. Now, wow. I've heard people say that before in different, different contexts, but it, it makes so much sense. If you don't know what you don't know, well, what happens when the salesperson enlightens you or teaches you? that right away builds trust, right? And then you're more inclined to maybe purchase from that. Exactly. You can only learn so much online, you know, and, and, and at some point you end up with information overload, right? And, mm -hmm. or you get conflicting information. You say, okay, what's right, what's wrong? You know, good example is that 42% number. Um, I've had that, I've read that number three different ways. I read one yesterday, it said 60%, another one said 50. Mm -hmm. um, we're going with 42% because I think it's a more valid, you know, source. But, you know, you're going to get different different people look at these statistics in different ways. Uh, third thing I think is really interesting, and that is, is that 65% of B2B buyers rely on peer recommendations and independent review sites because they trust those more than a sales professional. Well, that's a, that's a startling statistic. And, and one that is, is frankly disconcerting because, you know, as, as a sales professional, I, 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 I'm concerned that, you know, we're coming across in a, in a non-professional way, you know, right. to so many buyers. Uh, and so I think that we have to be, uh, we have to look at that and understand that's how buyers are perceiving us. Mm -hmm. Thirds of buyers prefer a remote human interaction or digital self-service, you know, and what this means is they're looking for an omni-channel experience. They want, they want to buy differently. And, and I think this remote human interaction is not going to go away, even after we're done with the pandemic. I think what people have learned is it's a pretty cool way to engage and work. And we'll, we'll get some people will want face-to-face, -face, you know, in-person dialogue. We're going to see more and more, you know, want to go to an omni-channel experience. And last is 75% use social media, of B2B buyers use social media to make purchase decisions. 
So that means the organizations need to have a robust social media strategy. And here's the key point. It's got to include the sales force. And so salespeople are going to have to understand how to use social media and they're going to have to become proficient in it. And all of these changes are going to have all these trends, I should say, are having a dramatic effect on how organizations go to market and, and if they're really going to be buyer centric. Uh, the end result is, is sellers are going to need to sell differently and, and uh, senior management's got to help them do that. Well, let's dive into how they do that. But before we do, so many people are tuning in. I just want to pop everybody up here because if you guys, you guys are what make our show so much more interesting. I mean, no offense, Tom. <laughs> You're so interesting. No, but when our guests chime in, our audience members chime in, especially once you guys have questions, it just makes the show so much more interactive. And we love that at Engage. It's all about interaction and that human experience that Tom just spoke about. Hello, Carl. I know, actually know Carl. He's tuning in from Oceanside, California, but is a self-proclaimed Brit. So representing the UK and California all in one fell swoop. Michelle is tuning in from London, Ontario, Canada. And Larry has a comment. He says, I don't know if the same thing happens in America, but in Brazil, we have a chronic problem with the buyers of large companies. By definition, buyers focus primarily on price, followed by form of payment. And one of the last priorities, interesting, is quality or differentiation of the service provided. How do we overcome this barrier in your point of view? Tom, do you want to answer this now or do we want to hold off on this question for just a few minutes and kind of continue through? Yeah, if we can hold off for just a few yeah, minutes, we'll go through a, a few other things and then we'll come back to that. But it's a great question that Larry's asking and it, it and, uh, and I have seen that and heard that in other countries outside the U.S. Perfect. So, Larry, we're going to get to your question in just a moment, but I don't want to lose kind of our momentum because, okay, so Tom helped us identify who the modern buyer is and how things like technology, social media, um, them wanting to be on their phones all the time, or or that modern buyer wanting to rely on opinions and referrals from friends before they buy, how all of those things has changed how the buyer approaches buying. So now a seller has to totally pivot and adapt to those changes in order to be successful. So that's what we're talking about today, and especially in business-to-business -business sales. One thing that you mentioned, Tom, is omni-channel. Now, I understand coming from our Engage platform, which is all about yeah. multiple channel and omni-channel. I know what that means, but to break it down for someone who's tuning in, what, what does omni-channel mean to you, Tom? And what does it mean for a business-to-business -business sales approach? What is sure. that? Sure. Sure. The, the way that I, that I, I define omni-channel is an omni-channel experience is used by B2B organizations as a multi-channel approach to marketing, to selling, to serving customers in a way that creates both an integrated and a cohesive customer experience, no matter how or where the customer wants to engage or, or reaches out to you. Now, what's interesting, Marissa, is, is that most companies would say, Tom, we, we have that today. You know, we've got, uh, we've got a website, we've got a blog, mm -hmm. um, we have Facebook we use, we use Twitter. Uh, and we use these platforms every day to engage and connect with prospects and customers. Uh, so what are you telling me? And, and I think the, the, the key difference is, is that an omni-channel experience accounts for all the devices and all the platforms that a customer will use to interact with your company. That knowledge then is used by your people within the company to align their messages, you know, their goals or objectives and that overall buyer experience across each channel and each device. And that's where the that's where the pivot point has to occur. And that's a very, very difficult transaction. And most companies are doing it a little bit, but they haven't really refined it, you know, across their entire organization. And so there's huge disconnects. So what you're saying is that it's not enough for companies to say, okay, I've got a website, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, we've got paid ads running. It's not enough to be in these places and be participating. I'll use the word participating. You truly have to strategize through an omni-channel approach and be consistent in your messaging across all of those channels. Am I? Is that fair to say? Yeah. 
And you also have to make sure that your communication through all of these channels is also consistent. You don't want agents who are maybe interacting on with Facebook, right, messaging to be telling customers one thing there and then have agents interacting through your website telling those customers something different. But also, if, if, if what you said is true, Tom, that the modern buyer is on their cell phone, right, it's like an appendage, yep. then the modern buyer is likely on your website, but also on your Facebook page. And if they're messaging you from both places, you also want your agents to know that and to be able to have um, the ability to look back at past conversations, right? And and answer questions in, you know, in context, right? Yeah, and it, and it goes it goes beyond that. Is, is your call center, is your service department, you know, are your people that, that are interacting with customers you know, with accounting, finance, are they all on the same page of what you're putting on on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, your your website page, or is there is there a built-in conflicts? You know, mm -hmm. is your you know is your compensation plan you know properly aligned across the entire organization? You know, that leads me to immediately want to ask you, Tom, what is the first question that you ask your clients when they come to you asking for help? with the Omnichannel. How do you start with your clients really diving into helping them with that? Yeah, there's there's several things that we, we kind of go through, you know, Marissa. One, you know, one is, is, you know, kind of describe for me today, where are you today? You okay. know, what's the what's the problem? What's the opportunity? What's the threat that you're you're in, you're, you're incurring, you know, and where would you like to be? You know, what, what's the ideal state look like to you? And we look for what the gap is or the, or the difference between that or what I call the cost of an action. What, you know, what happens if you don't do anything? You know, and if that number is big enough or if that that's a uh, uh, if there's a big enough change, then people want to do something different. We also ask them, you know, on a one to 10 scale with 10 being the highest, you know, what's the priority of this initiative? You know, things that are down to two or three, you know, are are nuisance problems, but they're not problems that people want to necessarily spend money to fix. You know, who owns the initiative? You know, is another question we ask. And then why now? Why? Why today versus six months ago? or even six months from now. Why is this important today? Uh, once you start to get that information, now you can start to wrap your hands around, you know, uh, whether you can help somebody or not. Can you give me an example, Tom, of maybe how a company ruined a customer relationship because they weren't using an omni-channel approach? Well, I, can I, give you one where, yeah, I, I can give you one where they almost, they almost lost it. And that was- Great. We have right. a very we have a we have a customer that we've been dealing with for years. It's a it's a billion and a half dollar company, um, and they actually got put on credit hold uh, for a two hundred fifty thousand dollar invoice by a, a, a company they were doing business with because somebody in the accounting department sent them a note and said, you know, your invoice is past due, which it was it was like ten days past due, and they said we're, we put you on credit hold. And on top of that, we're going to turn you over to a collection agency if we don't collect our, you know, you won't pay us within 10 days. Now, what they didn't realize is this customer was was their customer, was their biggest customer. And they and what happened was when they did the investigation, they found out no one had ever sent the invoice to the customer. So they didn't have anything to pay. And they almost lost the entire account after having it for like 15 years over over one guy when they traced it back and they and they claimed that they were a customer centric organization in fact they actually had a logo that they used in slides that they used with customers to say we put you right smack in the center and everything that we do is around the perimeter right and where the where the disconnect was was that somebody in the in the in the, in the finance department had incentivized the accounts receivable people uh, a bonus if they collected more money faster and so, you know, nobody aligned it back to the company message and what they were doing other 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 channels. They they had a separate compensation program. So what did the people do? They went out and threatened customers. You know, they they got did whatever they could do to collect the money. Uh, so once this got back to senior management, they immediately fixed it and stopped it. Fortunately, they didn't lose the account, but they came very close. Wow, that is an incredible story, and it seems like it's. It, it probably happens more than people even realize because, I mean, I, this will be my analogy, Tom, and it takes it far away from business to business. But as a child, I would go and ask my mom if I could do something. She would say no. If that message was not aligned and, you know, shouted over to my father, I would go and ask my dad the same thing. And he'd say, 
I don't care what you do, go ask your mother, right? And right. so I would hear as a child, he doesn't care what I do. Well, I already asked my mother. She said, no, I'm going to do whatever I want to do because dad said he doesn't care, right? So it's interesting, but if, you know, one side of an organization or one department of an organization is saying one thing and it's not bubbled down to everybody, like from the top down, as you mentioned, or if from an organization from within going outward towards the customer, if that message is not um, consistent, it seems like you're just going to have a whole mess of lost leads and, and yeah. Yeah, Marissa, I could give you example after example after example on that. I've been teaching and uh, facilitating uh, large account management, you know, programs for 20 years. And I can tell you 90% of the time clients engaged with me was after they lost a major account. None of, none of only 10% was proactive. So wow. this is not an uncommon problem. It's a, it's a very, it's a much more common problem. Well, let's dive in then, Tom. I mean, it's a, it's a common problem. And now we're learning that the future right, of organizations being successful is developing a model that supports where the customers are, um, how they want to communicate. You have to be convenient and you have to build trust. I think these are the key takeaways here. Are there any other trends that you're seeing um, yeah. in terms of business to business buyers? Yeah, there's two, Marissa, that I would bring, I would bring up. And I, and I don't think they get as much attention as, as they deserve. The first one is, is that B, buying, uh, B2B buying today is occurring more and more with, with teams. Uh, and the teams are, are, you know, are comprised of multiple stakeholders from multiple departments that will be affected by the change. Uh, and today it's, it's not uncommon for nine plus you know, people uh, to be involved in the purchase of a product or service in a complex sale. Uh, and what, and, the, and the, the challenge is, is that this large diverse group uh, often doesn't know how to buy because they've never bought this particular product or service in their organization, or they don't even know if, the or if their organization has a specific buying process that they need to go through. So as a result, you know, with, they have a tough time reaching consensus because there's so many people with diverse ideas and diverse opinions, uh, and sellers need to help them with that process. And so, you know, one of the ways that we've, we've done that is with the outcome enablement plan. And what is an outcome enablement enablement plan? Yeah, and an outcome enablement plan really at its very at its very basics is is just a, simply a plan between the buying and the selling organization to explore jointly the feasibility um, mm. and benefits of a business relationship. So think of it think of it this way: you know, it outlines uh, the key elements of how a, a buying decision is typically made in different companies, and so. Uh, you outline a list of, of milestones, the major milestones that you have to go through, and then you list underneath each milestone, what are those activities uh, that need to be done? And when you do that jointly with, uh, with the buyer, you know, you're really, what you're really doing is helping him through a, a maze uh, that he doesn't even, he or she doesn't understand in their own organization. Um, and it, so it becomes a tremendous benefit to them to have all this in, insight and information uh, you know, in advance. And so what it really does is that um, it makes sure that the, that, that the opportunity, you know, doesn't get, you know, stalled, doesn't get delayed or doesn't get set aside because people know what they're, what they're supposed to be doing. It's a really a powerful, powerful plan. And, and we've been using it for years. And uh, when I present the idea and the concept of, to, to prospective buyers, they love the idea. I mean, they just, they, they salivate over it. They just can't get enough of it. Can you give us an example of maybe an outcome enablement plan in action? Um, yeah, I'll give you one. I, I can yeah. give you one, you know, one that we just uh, closed a, a large consulting agreement, you know, mm -hmm. uh, about a month ago. And, and, and what was happening, what we introduced the plan um, to our contact, you know, and what we did is we helped her think through, th think through what the project scope was you know, who the stakeholders were that, that were going to be involved that we would need to, to have an interface with access to in order to interview, you know, what were the deliverables that, that she was going to, that we were going to provide and that they needed to see, you know, what was the decision criteria, their decision process, what was the timing, you know, and, and what was, the, and, and then we laid out our payment process. And so it was laying all this together out and it just made it very streamlined and very easy, you know, for them to say yes. 
Um, this all makes so much sense to me. And it's just so interesting because at the end of the day, you're right. If the modern buyer is changing or even the process of buying is changing, you just mentioned the trend of buying in teams. Well, then, of course, in business to business sales, you have to change your strategy. You have to adapt. Omnichannel is an excellent way to adapt to the change. And then also, you know, and I'm just repeating this in case you're just tuning in to join the show. Tom just shared with us that offering an outcome enablement plan, which helps different companies understand basically how they can have a mutually beneficial relationship and how basically, I want to make sure I'm understanding this right, how something that you're offering can help really suit the need, right, of, of what that company is looking for without pushing a product down their throat. It's a yeah. bigger picture of creating almost a relationship. When you when you start with the outcome that they're looking for and you work backwards, now mm -hmm. what you're able to do is to, is to keep their eye on the outcome and what they're going to get out of it. And that and by itself mitigates, you know, mitigates you being commoditized because they immediately perceive you as someone who's selling differently. And the other thing it does is it eliminates a lot of the price objection because they see here's my big pro here's my problem, here's the size of it, here's how these guys are going to help me solve it. It mitigates in great way that that question the gentleman asked earlier. It helps in a, in a big way to them to commoditize you. Uh, and, and ask you to just give them price. Great, great. Excellent insights, Tom. So many people are tuning in, so I want to make sure to pop up all the comments here, and then we've got a few questions coming in. Don't forget, Tom, you did want to share one more trend, though, and I think that maybe had to do with the subscription model. So we'll get to that in just a moment. Michael Spence is tuning in today. He's in your fan club, apparently, tuning in from Toronto. Hello, Michael. Yeah, I've, Michael's, Michael's, uh, I'm actually in Michael's fan, fan club as well. I've, uh, I've known Michael for years and learned a lot from him. So uh, it's, it's great that he's, uh, he's on board and he's, he's a fan because I'm a, I'm a fan of his as well. Wonderful. And then he, this guy, Achochi, is tuning in and he may be, you know, winner of our, number one top fan. He's tuned into every single show that we have gone live on LinkedIn with. So Achochi, thank you so much for tuning in today. And he commented that brand communication begins with orientation and training of staff. They're the faces of the organization beyond logos and marketing messages. I think that's a really great point, Achochi. So I, I, I think he's I think he's nailed it. Uh, hats off to you, Achochi. I, I hope I didn't mispronounce your name, but uh, you, you've nailed it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for dropping us that comment. So I've got a couple questions, Tom. Let's go ahead and pop those in. Let's see what we can do in terms of kind of exploring these questions. And then we'll continue with our last trend and kind of give some more examples of how we can use the omni-channel approach to, to kind of work through and, and, and pivot with these trends. So back to Larry's question, is the whole idea of overcoming this barrier. So his question again was, in Brazil, they have the chronic problem with buyers of large companies. By definition, they focus on price primarily, form of payment. And one of the last things that they prioritize is quality or the differentiation of service. How is it possible to overcome that barrier in, the, in their point of view? Yeah, I, I think you, you, you have to, you know, I'll answer it a couple of different ways. One is, is that procure, the entire procurement is absolutely right. Uh, the procurement function is, is undergoing a metamorphosis. And most of the time, uh, procurement is pay, has been paid in the past on uh, lowering a price. And, uh, and, they, and that's how they've been compensated in terms of a bonus program is what type of how much the company's percent of companies spend they've decreased on a year to year basis. That uh, that fortunately for sellers, that's changing, and uh, and there's a lot of there's a big big move amongst procurement across the globe uh, to to be more innovative and uh, and understand how they can drive better outcomes uh, for their organization. So I think there's a couple of, a couple of potential strategies to use. One is is to understand what is the the level of maturity of the procurement department you're you're actually dealing with. We actually cover that. Uh, in the seller's challenge book. The second thing is, is to always sell on value. And it, it start the value starts with, with really differentiating and not allowing the company to, to commoditize you. 
uh, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and I think the third thing is what I addressed addressed earlier is really understanding that before where they are today, where they where they want to go to, where that gap is, and what's the priority to the, of that, and showing them what they're leaving on the table by taking a you know a, a reduced or an inferior type product. Uh, it's I think it's, it's just really hammering hard with that value uh, in a consistent way. Again, there's that word consistent, right? Consistency is key, whether it's in your messaging, whether it's in your strategy, or as you just mentioned, whether it's in even the technique, or I guess that is strategy. But yeah, and I think, and I think, you know, in Larry's defense, you know, sometimes we've got companies that are designed that they want to sell value, but they're in a, in a, in a strictly price driven market. And if you're going to be in a price driven market where that's all that people that matters to people, then what you've got to do is, is have a product offering that is, is in that, in that segment. In other words, you've got to be able to sell on low price because they don't care about any type of differentiation. The chapter that we did in the, in the seller's challenge on procurement shows a four quadrant matrix of how procurement looks at your products or services. And what Larry's term, uh, you know, referring to is being in the lower left-hand corner, which is, it's all about price. You know, they don't, mm -hmm. you know, water is water is water. Give me the best price you have. And if somebody else can beat that six months from now, we'll buy from them. So unless you can, you can differentiate yourself in some way with delivery term, delivery term, uh, payment term, something else, you're stuck in that quadrant. The key is to move over into one of the, in the far right and to be in one of those other quadrants. And, uh, you know, Larry, I, I don't. I, I apologize for promoting the book, but uh, that that there's an excellent chapter in there with that one matrix. I think will really help you uh, on on the chapter on procurement. Don't apologize for promoting your book. We're going to promote the book heavily here at the end of the show because if you're interested in what Tom is sharing with us, if if Tom is just really, you know hitting the tip of the iceberg, even though he's giving great examples and insights. If you want to know more, I mean, Tom's book would be the first place to go. Am I right, Tom? Yeah. And feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or, or, uh, or even on, on sell. I, I love talking to customers, you know, or, and, and salespeople. So uh, I never get tired of doing that, especially salespeople. And, you know, Bob, actually, I've got a couple comments from Bob Britton, who is watching, and he popped in a comment that I think is so you know, timely with uh, Larry's question. He says, I found the easiest way to throw buyers off balance on the price question is to ask them what price they mean. Point in time price, TCO, opportunity price, sunk cost price. It completely disarms them. That's kind of a good tip. You know, it makes yeah, that's, a, of I, that's a great tip. I actually know Bob and I, and Bob, one of the brightest minds in, in sales in, in, in the United States. And I, he's, he's dead on. Uh, I completely forgot about that one, but that's that's also an excellent way to uh, to do it. When you when you ask people, you know, how do you define price? You know, it does disarm them because it forces them to really look at it through a different lens, and um, you know, and you actually uncover an awful lot of information when you do do that. I, unfortunately, I think where Larry's coming from, and you know, in, in Brazil, because I've had experience in Brazil, you know, they they just they give you a price or they they say this is what I'm going to pay you know, take it or leave it. And so um, it, it, it's really defined in advance. That's interesting. Interesting how different parts of the world, you know, do business differently. Reading Bob's comment, by the way, it immediately made me think, well, I'd want to say, well, do you want to talk about the price of the business you're going to lose when all you talk about is price and you don't consider being customer centric or giving an optimal customer experience or buying the best quality product. That's what I want to say. But Bob has another comment I want to pop up. This one's a little bit long, so it'll take up a little bit of the screen there. But Bob says, ask also ask about the uh, about the business drivers early on in your conversation. You do this for one very simple reason. In business to business, if the customer has no business reason to buy, they almost never will. It's different than business, you know, business, you know, business to customer yep. uh, or consumer. <laughs> Their want is a larger component to to the sale than need. Nothing is worse than spending a lot of time doing demos and developing relationships only to see the whole thing fall apart about 80 percent of the way because you didn't identify the business yellow or red light early on. That makes sense. Yeah, and that's and that's really why we use that 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 format that we talked about the before, the after, the organizational priority, who owns it, etc. Is it begins? It does two things. One is it tells you is this a priority, you know that 
uh, the organization and the, or the department head, whoever it happens to be that you're talking to, really wants to solve. Mm-hmm. And secondly, can you help them, right? And if you can't, you know, or if the problem's not big enough, get out. I mean, I always tell people, if you're going to lose a deal, lose early. Lose at the top of the funnel. Don't lose at the bottom or in the middle, right? Um, you you want to waste reason. a lot of resource by, right. by doing demos and other things and then lose at the end. You know, you want to control the whole, the whole process. And that that whole thing makes me right away think about the importance of having a really good CRM where you have every, you know, step of your sales process literally accounted for so that you can track where you are so that you don't end up down the funnel, right? Like you said, with a lot of time and resources, you know, expended. Thank you for your comments, Bob. We really appreciate your interaction during our show. And before we get on with our next trend that Tom was sharing, Larry does say perfect, Tom. He will read and he'll share his book as well with us. Thank you very much, Larry. Much appreciated. Let's connect connect on LinkedIn as well. Absolutely. For all of you tuning in at the end of our talk with Tom, I will pop up his LinkedIn information. We'll be sharing his cell phone as well. And I'll be sharing some information on how you can find both of the books that he has co-authored. So, all right. Last trend that you wanted to share was uh, really, you know, it affects the business to business marketing. And that is basically a trend that moves away from ownership, right? Yeah, this is the second trend I think that I like. I think doesn't get enough attention, and it's it's starting to emerge uh, more and more. Is that uh, buyers B two B mine is moving away from a model of product ownership. It's not as important as it used to be, and uh, you know buyers today want the outcome, but they don't necessarily want the product. You know, and we've seen that. Like, um, you know, for example. Um, Buyer, buyers want the ride and the ride, but not the car. You know, you, so we've seen that with Lyft. We've seen that with Uber, right? Another example is software. You know, we don't buy it. You know, we we subscribe to it. And in essence, what we're doing is we're buying a value proposition that's not a product, but it's in, but you know, and increasingly, buyers are looking for new novel ways uh, to obtain your product or service. And you know, this requires out of box thinking uh, by organizations. So interesting. So what is an example that you can share with us um, in regards to, you know, where where you've seen this either help or hurt a business in terms of, you know, yeah. tying that in with customer optimization and creating a customer centric experience? Where do you an example of this kind of model happening in today's? Well, I'll give you I'll give you one example from a press release that I saw just uh, probably two weeks ago or something. Maybe it was a little bit longer than that. I, I, I guess it was longer than that. I guess it was I, I read it two weeks ago. It actually came out like like six or seven months ago. Mm-hmm. As with um, the example I would use is with healthcare. It's a sector that we do an awful lot of work, Marissa. And there's a company that in the, within the healthcare environment called Siemens Health and Ears. And it's okay. a medical technology company. Um, and they recently uh, partnered with uh, WakeMed uh, Health and Hospitals uh, in uh, North Carolina. And what they did is they partnered with them to uh, Siemens is going to add robotics. Uh, for surgery, robotics, you know, which is a, a specialized piece of equipment to, for the, the surgeon to use uh, during surgery, advanced diagnostic imaging equipment, you know, um, artificial intelligence, uh, mm-hmm. staffing, as well as training across the entire healthcare systems, what they call cardiovascular, meaning around the heart, uh, and imaging programs in return for a fixed unitary, you know, payment uh, for 10 years. And so, mm-hmm. In a, you know, in addition to that, they're going to also form a training academy, a workforce development comp, uh, program, and a training site, you know, for advanced um, imaging and robotic intervention uh, innovations. So think about what Siemens, you know, in Health and Ears has, has just done here. They've they've developed a whole new customer segment centered around how the customer wants to buy and the buying experience that they want. And in effect, they've locked out their competition for 10 years in these particular departments and in these, in these three hospitals that form the system. I mean, that has, you know, and so what they're doing is, is they're offering a different way for the customer to buy and acquire their equipment, their service, and all the other services that they provide. 
It sounds like it sounds like they're making it so convenient, which is key, right? If they only have one, if this this hospital chain only has one payment to make, whether it's once a month or once a year, to one company who has yep. now provided them with basically 10 different areas of product, intelligence, staffing, um, technology, artificial intelligence. How easy is that for billing? How easy is that for the company to keep track of their expenses and, you know, building that relationship? And it's a 10-year contract. That's incredible. Yeah, I'd like to be, I'd like to have been the, the sales representative or the, the sales exec that sold that contract. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty nice deal. You're going to get paid over a 10-year period. He's probably watching our show right now live from the island of Tahiti while he drinks yeah, exactly. colada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he now doesn't need to work anymore. anymore. Right. That's incredible. So there's a perfect example you just shared of a healthcare company that saw the need to adapt how they sell. Um, and in this situation, they almost bundled their services, it sounds like is what they did to be able to appeal to this chain of hospitals. Is that right? It's all about how do you create create disruption in a positive way that you know aligns with the buyer. Engage is all about disruptive and disruption. That those are our key words. Our platform, it's disruptive because it's free forever. People are like, how how can it be free? Well, it is. And um, there's a lot of competitors out there doing exactly what we do. I mean, we do it better. I'm just saying, but we're able to do it free and and give businesses the chance to scale and grow and and optimize the customer experience. And I think what we've learned today, Tom, is that is what it's all about. It sounds like from what you're saying, customers or excuse me, businesses, whether it's business B2C or B2B, they have to be customer centric to succeed and they have to optimize the customer experience. And to do that, you have to be convenient. You have to respond where they are, You have to where your customer is. You have to be on social media and you have to be really good about aligning your messages. Am I right? Is this all fair to say? Is this really the, the ultimate takeaway? Absolutely. Yay. Well, you have shared so many insights. I appreciate all the examples that you shared with us to highlight all the trends that you're seeing and the statistics on the modern buyer, all very very helpful. And I think whether it is B2B or, you know, if someone's tuning in and and they're thinking B2C, I think a lot of the trends probably carry right over. Would you agree with that as well? I would. Yeah, I would. I, you know, I think what you, if you think about it, we're all B2C consumers. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing is the that we're all looking for a better buying experience. I call it a frictionless buying experience. And, you know, and, and if you're going to, if you see that and you attain that in, the, in your B2C market, that it, it automatically transfers over to you. We get back to B2B and say, why does it have to be so hard here? Why can't we sell di- differently? Or why can't we buy our products differently? And that's causing that metamorphosis. We're, we're, we're starting to see it now, like with, oh, the, with the advent of what uh, Siemens is doing and others. Um, but we're going to see much more of it. There's a huge opportunity for customer, for companies to differentiate themselves. Well, I really appreciate you being here. You have shared so many incredible insights. And I think one thing we really want to share with the audience is a little bit about the books that you've co-authored before I let you go, because you've co-authored two books. They are available on Amazon and in bookstores worldwide. Do you want to speak to your books briefly before I share your contact information? Yeah, I, I, I think the, you know, the, the two books are really centered around the most common challenges that salespeople uh, encounter on a day-to-day basis. And so uh, each chapter stands on its own uh, in each book. And so people can, uh, can pick and choose, you know, the areas they want to read or they can read the entire book. Wonderful. So it's the Seller's Challenge, How Top Sellers Master 10 Deal-Killing Obstacles in B2B Sales and Buyer-Centered Selling, How Modern Sellers Engage and Collaborate with Buyers. I like that you mentioned the chapters are standalone. Uh, that is very helpful when people are, you know, trying to grab nuggets of information and and find, um, find guidance, coaching, and help for specific problems. As yeah, and on, on our website, uh, Marissa, they, they can also download uh, the workbook for each book, you know, to uh, apply the concepts. There's Great. also a bunch of concept cards in each one to help them crystallize some of the content in each chapter. 
Uh, so there's some additional training tools that are free free to, for anybody to use. You know, they, they'll be beneficial to anybody, even if you don't read the book, but it'd be much more beneficial if you did read the book. Wonderful. And I think you can find more information about Tom's books, about his firm, um, and also how to contact him on LinkedIn. I'll share with you now his LinkedIn profile URL, also his cell number if you want to go ahead and screenshot that information. Is LinkedIn a great place to connect with you, Tom? Absolutely. And if they do, please reference that you were you were on this podcast so I'll, I'll know and uh, it can kind of tie it back to, uh, to the show. Wonderful. I want to share a few last comments before I send you on your way, Tom. Carl Roberts simply said, excellent stuff, Tom and Marissa. Thanks, Thank Carl. Appreciate it. And he was the Brit, right, from Oceanside, yeah. if yeah. I remember. Well, you've got quite the fan club. We had a lot of people tuning in for this show on LinkedIn Live. So, Tom, don't go anywhere, everybody. I want to share our Engage Digital Marketing News of the Week in just a moment. But, Tom, on behalf of myself and the whole team at Engage, thank you so much for making time to share your incredible insights today. And I'm looking forward to having you on the show again in the future. Well, thank you, Marissa. I appreciate it. And thanks very much to your audience for being here. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Again, if you're just tuning in and you missed this talk, you definitely can connect with Tom on LinkedIn. You can check out his books on Amazon. Right now, though, it is time for our digital marketing news of the week. This week, LinkedIn just announced LinkedIn Learning Hub, an expansion of LinkedIn Learning. Let me pop up our banner in case people are just tuning in. It's the LinkedIn or excuse me, the Engage Digital Digital Marketing News of the Week. And this week, it's the LinkedIn Learning Hub, an expansion of LinkedIn Learning. In the announcement, LinkedIn stressed that in a world where skills are the new currency, organizations need a learning solution to help them build those skills at scale. Learning critical skills quickly is an imperative part of the new world of work. The World Economic Forum predicts that 85 million jobs will go away and 97 million new jobs will be created in the next four years. 97 million new jobs. Organizations today need to understand the enormity of this shift. And according to findings in the 2021 Workplace Learning Report, upskilling and reskilling is the top priority for learning and development professionals globally. You can find out more about how Learning Hub can help your organization build the skills they need at scale in, in a very informative article. And I will pop that article's URL up for you now. You can screenshot this and visit this article on LinkedIn. So this is our digital marketing news of the week. It is all about a brand new LinkedIn Learning Hub and it is an expansion of LinkedIn learning. So check out this article. That was our digital news of the week for this week. And again, I want to thank you all so much for joining us. I want to thank our guest, Tom. And if you just missed the show or you're just tuning in, maybe you have colleagues that might benefit from Tom's incredible insights on how to achieve more business-to-business -business sales and increase profitability in 2021, you can check out the Engage LinkedIn profile page. I'll pop that up for you on the screen. Do, 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 do. Let me find our LinkedIn page. Boom, there it is. You can check out our LinkedIn profile page. You can also visit us on Facebook to watch the taped show of today's show, and you can share that with your colleagues as well. If you have any topic suggestions for our show, you can contact me by connecting with me on LinkedIn as well at Marissa Morgan, or you can drop me an email at marissa.m at engage.com. Please feel free to drop me any topic suggestions, or if you have any questions for previous guests or would like more information on Engage, that would be the place to reach me. Thank you so much for tuning in on behalf of myself and the entire team at Engage. We can all agree today we learned it's all about being customer centric. It's all about optimizing the customer experience by being 
convenient for your customer, communicating with them across multiple channels, using an omni-channel approach, and also by building trust. And you can do that when you utilize the Engage platform. So make sure after our show, you check us out. We are Engage and our website is www.engage.com. Be sure to tune in on Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern for our next episode of Digital Marketing Intelligence, Ask the Experts. On behalf of myself, again, the entire team at Engage, thank you so much for tuning in. I'll pop up our last few comments from viewers. Larry says, thank you so much, Tom and Marissa. Very nice stuff. Bob says, nicely done, folks, and thanks for the shout out. You're very welcome, Bob. Claudia, who's tuning in from Brazil, also says, Thank you. So if it wasn't for you watching and tuning in and interacting with us, we wouldn't have a live interactive show. So make sure you tune in again on Thursday and check out our LinkedIn page for our upcoming show schedule. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.